1: Featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo. With your host, Patrick Moran. All
2: right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo, your weekday daily driver for Buffalo Sports Talk and More. Presented by Imperial Pizza. I'm your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you very much as always for locking in whether you're checking us out on the audio side whether you're watching us on video we appreciate you very much this is our buffalo bills pittsburgh steelers playoff matchup preview episode as usual i am joined this time of week by my good friend anthony marino from buffalo rumblings what's going on dude it is playoff vibes man different feeling feels really
1: good what's going on how you doing it feels good to to be having this conversation today. Obviously, going into last weekend, it could have gone in one of two directions and and here we are. So yeah, I'm feeling I'm feeling all right. How is, uh, I
2: was mean, uh it kind of goes without saying, but when it is a playoff week for Buffalo, and now this is something we've grown accustomed to in recent years, after going 17 years without having to worry about it, you know, pre 2017, if I had you on. Every week, annually, we would already be pretty much uh, knee-deep into some mock drafts. And sure. you'd be talking about your first-round running back possibilities like you do every year. But it's uh, it's become a, a tradition, a recent tradition anyway with the Bills this this time of year. um, Just the vibes, man. How you feeling right now? Now, we're at... So, this is dropping Wednesday. We're recording this Wednesday morning. I'm sorry. This is dropping Thursday. Recording this Wednesday morning where you at right now man uh, What what's your vibes feeling
1: like yeah i i feel pretty good from a vibe standpoint right i mean going into the weekend i wasn't sure what to expect right and you're almost okay preparing yourself that sunday night is going to be a tense filled pacing back and forth in front of the television debacle to, to sure. say the least right and uh and it wasn't. So you feel good. You know, sometimes like when you anticipate kind of the, the worst and it, things really aren't that bad, that's that's how the weekend kind of played out from that standpoint. So right now, I mean, I've said it since we were talking during the summer. It's like, just get in. And if you just get in, sure. then anything can, can happen. And I don't say that from a I expect this or I expect that or, you know, you know me. I try not to get too high or too low. Right. But it's like, all right, if the bills just get in, I like our chances.
2: You do, and you are right also. You are one of those uh, mid guys. And by mid, I mean you're not going to get too high when the Bills are playing well. You're not going to get too down when they're playing lousy, which I am the polar opposite. Like The the the, the, the sky's falling when this team's playing shitty. And I'm on top of the world uh, when they're playing good. This weekend, this past weekend, I should say, look, I'm not going to lie. I mean, it was a little... I was antsy going in, and uh, when Pittsburgh beat Baltimore on Saturday, I'm like, oh, well, you know, it looks like the Bills are going to have to handle their business. As things turn out for me, and we're going to get into this game in just a few minutes, this Steelers matchup here. I could not have asked, going into the weekend, if you could have came up with any scenario, any matchup where the Bills would finish and who they would play in the first round. With respect to Pittsburgh, and I know you're going to respect them and have a lot more than I am, but with respect to them, this could not have worked out any better for the Buffalo Bills, winning the division and playing the team they're playing in the first round as a two seed. Just It worked out perfect.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I'll say winning the division and getting the opportunity to play at home right and and I know we'll we'll get into it I this earlier today I was listening to your your show from yesterday and I was like is he doing this just to sort of like tee me up for our conversation that we're about to have because it's just um yeah and whoever the Bills could have played right in that scenario whether it would have been the the Steelers or potentially uh, you know thinking the Jaguars going into the weekend or then the Houston Texans it's like I'm going to look at it and I'm going to see a way that each of those teams can cause problems for the Bills. I know. <laughs> and I'm not and I'm not a pessimistic person, right? This no, is not no, no. one of those. I mean, you guys know I come on here like 95% of the time I'm predicting the Bills to win to win the game. But as you look at this, it's still like gosh, man, it is Mike Tomlin. I don't know how that team is 10 and 7, but they're 10 and 7. They find a way. You watch enough of their games, they're playing their third string quarterback and all these pieces and having success. So you just, you just kind of look at it and, but there's no one that the bills would have been playing that I would have looked at and said, Oh yeah, that's the team I want to play. That's just, that's just me. So- I, un- I understand that. And no no wrong with that
2: philosophy either. How just, how much is, has things changed in this last month? You know, I, I keep going back and I think a lot about the Philadelphia game. When the Bills were up in the fourth quarter, I thought they played really well. Josh Allen played out of his mind that game, and the Bills still found a way to lose. It's they're six and six. It does not look good at that point. They're going into a bye. Vaughn Miller gets in trouble during the bye week. Tyler Dunn drops that series on the back end of the bye week. And it just felt like this is a, a team that was. On the verge, at least, of implosion. And if you and I had talked, and we did talk going into the season, and we said, hey, Bills are going to win the division again for a straight year. The Bills are going to be the number two seed in the AFC playoffs again. And we would have said, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Probably expected. But if we would have said that after the Philly game, just imagine our episode, because I know there was a bye week after, and we're talking about Vaughn, and then we're talking about Tyler Dunn in this article, the good, the bad, the ugly of all of it. And at that point, if I were to say, hey, don't worry about it, man. The Bills are going to win their division. The Bills are going to be the second seed in the AFC. I would have been like, probably not. So it's just, this has been just like a crazy month, in a good way, if you're a Bills fan anyway.
1: Yeah, it has been so different. And you think even, you know it's hard when you want to compare it to last year. And a lot of people will say, well, compared to 2021, like this looked like this, and then the Bills caught fire at the right time. I even say kind of on the flip side of that, you look at last season, right? The Bills go 13 and three. The three games that they lose, you can even argue that they could have, should have won, right? The debacle with Minnesota, the loss to the Jets, the loss to the Dolphins, you know, all these types of things like winning all the close games, closing things out really when they needed to, but it just, you know, you get through that and you get to that point and you're, you're done towards towards the end. You, you, don't, you don't feel that way with the team right now, right? There's a, there's a big difference with momentum. And I know every week the Tyler Dunn article comes up in our conversation in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. But that was really a point of just like, okay, how is this team going to come out and how they're going to respond? And they come out and they beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead. And I know people can say like, "Oh, it's not the same Chiefs team." This or that. It's beating the Chiefs in Arrowhead, right? Like until that team is finishing like five and twelve, I, I'm I'm never going to write them off. Or right? Just say, "Oh, that's not impressive." And you saw the shots from the locker room at the end of the game with Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott and Terry Pakula and and all of this. But it is different this year, and I can say that. And I. You know, I'm going off script a little here too, so just bear with me. But like, no, go ahead, buddy. You know, did you did you hear the interview that Sal Capaccio had with Sean McDermott on the field? Yes, during the broadcast after the game. Yes, and an emotional, emotional Sean McDermott. You know, this is not a guy. You know, you talk about me being mid. I mean, this guy, like his blood pressure is probably like exactly the same all throughout the day, twenty four seven. And to hear that emotion from the coach and that taking place. And like, you know, he knows this. The team knows this. Like, they're not done. They're in the playoffs. Like, they won the AFC East. Okay, they've done that the last three years. And it wasn't like this, oh, this emotional, like, this burden has been lifted off me or anything. And You know, listen, maybe just the realization of getting to the playoffs and living up to, you know, those types of expectations. But I say it feels different because this team has been playing with a different level of emotion. The defense has been playing with a different level of emotion. Like you hear the conversation, Rasul Douglas wanting to get back in the game and Dane Jackson saying like, listen, I got you. Yeah. And Rasul saying like, okay, go get it. And Dane Jackson gets picked on for the first play that he's in the game. And that's fine. And then he steps up big down the stretch. Like you just see this. It feels different. Balen Spectre making plays. Like, what the hell is going on here, right? Deontay Harding, all these whipping boys that we've had throughout the year. You know, you talk about your stars of the game. So when I say it feels different, not like in this, you know, it's, it's nice to be in this situation. When you see that from the head coach, like, I like to see that kind of emotion, not the fist bumping, clapping, you know, bump chest, this sure. and that. I'm I'm talking like a genuine, like, holy cow. Like, look at our fans here. We got this. That was pretty cool.
2: I want to change my terminology, by the way, because when I said referred to you as mid, that's... Oh, that mid, well, in today's world, calling somebody mid means you're just an average person. That's not what <laughs> if I If you
1: meant. were 15, I would have taken offense to it. We're good. What because.
2: I should have said was you are far more even keel
1: than I am. You know, the yeah.
2: highest of the highs... Uh, The lowest of the lows. And yeah, look, we have talked in some way, shape or form, you and I, and a lot of people pretty much every week since that Tyler Dunn series dropped. And with respect to him and you and I are big Tyler Dunn fans, and we're not going to have to keep going down this road week after week after week. But what I will say to me is indisputable, whether you love the article, whether you thought it was accurate and fair, whether you hated the article and you thought it was bullshit, no matter which way you fall. On that side of the fence, to me, the one thing that nobody can deny is that they use that Sean McDermott or his players, the organization used that as a rallying point for this season. There's not even a question about it. To me, that was and it was Tyler doing a job. It was Tyler, you know, one of the best journalists in the country writing the way he writes and you can interpret it the way you want to interpret it. But the way the Bills interpreted it, that was bulletin board material. It's not even a debate to me. This team rallied around that. They rallied around their coach. And I think that has worn in a good way on Sean McDermott. You know, I, I think the players yeah. have really rallied around him. And to your point, that post-game interview that I, and I did hear it with Sal on the field, the fans going nuts. You could just hear it in Sean's voice, the the enthusiasm, which is stark contrast from halftime when he was blasting his quarterback for which Sean McDermott was right, by the way, you know, you can't throw the ball. You got to throw the ball in the end zone. So he was very candid and blunt um, with that. But yeah, you know what I realized? And you realize it every year, but it takes like a season. And then you remember, you're like, you know what? That's right. So many games in the NFL are one or two plays. That's what they come down to. You know, there's a handful of games where you just get your ass kicked. There's a handful of games where you just go out and you dominate. And there's not one or two plays that ultimately decide a game. But if you really think about it, the Bills being a two seed, the Bills being an 11 and six team, the Bills are also a couple plays from being even better. You know, like they should have beaten the Patriots. They should have beaten the Eagles. You can look at it that way, or you can look at it as this is a very lucky team because they could have very easily lost to the New York Giants. They won by a yard. They could have very easily lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The first Godwin gets his head up. He probably catches that Hail Mary. If Kadarius Tony does a lineup sides, maybe the Bills lose that game, even if they scored, the Bills still had some time. It's just the the margin in the NFL is just so razor thin. You got to put yourself in position to, to win games on a couple plays. But, man, this has just been a wild, wild, wild regular season because of how many games have been close
1: and come down to just one or two plays. Well, every time you talk about that, it brings me back to uh... – You know, and not a great movie, any given Sunday, but Al Pacino's speech in the locker room where he talks about football being a game of inches. And it is, man. I mean, like, listen, you talk about even, you know, the Jaguars game, right? I mean, you see that play where Trevor Lawrence is lunging the football out to try and get the touchdown. And I mean, it is literally two inches from hitting the goal line of just like, you know, I mean, you were talking a razor thin margin in so many ways of what takes place. Um, I want to say one more thing on, on actually two more things on McDermott. One, I love the halftime interview. And I say that because I always look at these as it's like, you know, the biggest waste of time. Like, Hey coach, what do you got to do? Like, well, we got to score more points than the other, you know, we gotta, we gotta stop them. Okay. Thanks. Like, you know, to actually see some sense of emotion or disappointment. I mean, the timing was uh, not great, but great from a, seeing a, a raw response from a coach, like you don't see that in any game in the NFL. So I enjoyed that part. But going back to what you were saying about rallying around McDermott, you know, you think of like anyone in your life, whether it's a a sibling, a family member, or even like what I call your chosen family, like your circle of people. Sure. Right. It's like, yeah, that's my, my little brother. That's my buddy, whatever. Like I can pick on him. I can bust his chops. He can annoy me. I can, you know, that can bother me to no end. I can say whatever I want. Somebody else outside says something about a family member, even if it's true, even if there's pieces to that where it's just like, yeah, I remember when he did that, that was annoying as hell." but like, you can't say that about him. I can't, (laughs) you know, it kind of almost like, is it that type of, of rallying, right? Like, Hey, it's, it's one thing to, for this to happen. It's another thing for someone else to, I don't want to say like taking shots at our own, like it's like you said, Tyler doing his job, doing what he needed to do. But I see it as is some of that too. And and I'm glad to see it. Like it it's it's making the team better. And I think even in certain ways, when we were watching this game, I mean, tell me, you know, the Dolphins get the ball back, right? The Bills don't get the 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 last tush push where they can seal it away. In my opinion, right? Call going for it all fine and good. The play had been working. Sure. You know, the dolphins get the ball and you're just like, geez, okay, here we go. Like yeah. Tyreek Hill, short on time, there was no soft zone coverage. There was no playing back, and we're going to give you seven yards and let you get what you need to. They were on the line. They were right across from him, from Cedric Wilson. Whatever weapons that the Dolphins had, it was like, we are going to be in your face, and we're not giving you anything. And you saw Tyreek Hill getting kind of beat up and battered and taking some some hits during this game and sort of like gingerly walking off to the sideline. So when you talk about a coach learning from past mistakes and different things that come about, to me, that was the the takeaway from this game that no one is really talking about. And it was just like, you want to talk about growth. You want to talk about evolution. To me, that right there, it wasn't bend but don't break. It was just like, we are going to be in your face. We're not going to lose this. And they showed it. Sean McDermott has won me over, I
2: think, over the last maybe five to to, sure. to six games. And you know, again, with, with that article, man, look, the Bills were six and six and they were flailing. You know, this was a team totally. that looked like they were they were going nowhere. You could argue about the timing of the article, but you know, it was a good thing for the Bills because yeah, it rallied them. Let me ask you a question, too, by the way. Do you have you happen to watch um that HBO hard knock series with the dolphins, the in season one. No, I've not. All right. Well, last night I, I haven't either. There's been eight episodes. I haven't watched any of the first seven. Uh, I did watch last night, last night being Tuesday night because it was about the bills game. Large, largely. I tell you watching that, if you're my, the, I have a couple takeaways from that. Mike McDaniel is an offensive guru. Like I wish he would be the Bills' offensive coordinator. I'm sure there's 31 other teams, or at least close to it, that would love to have Mike McDaniel as their offensive coordinator. Dude's just weird, though, man. Like his, his, because again, you know how Hard Knocks works. The access is amazing. They show a lot of yeah. the speeches in the uh in the team meetings, practices on the field, so on and so forth. He's a weird dude. But Tua, uh, I got to tell you, man. And this isn't me just hating on Miami because I'm a Bills guy. And, you know, it's just fun to pile on the Dolphins. He's a pretty good quarterback. We've talked about him before. He's a really good, solid human being, a nice guy, somebody worth rooting for. And we both have agreed to that. But I'll tell you, the difference between him and Josh Allen is literally night and day, not just on the field, which you would see on Sundays, but also on the sidelines, in the team meetings, in the locker room. Like he's, he's a guy. He's a guy in that locker room. Josh is the alpha. Josh is the leader. Everybody knows that you're, and it's not even just the Bills and Josh Allen. Most teams, your quarterback is your leader. He's your guy. And you get a sense just watching this hard knocks. Two was not that guy. He's very lit, reserved, quiet. He's laid back. I don't think you could be a quarterback, uh, a great quarterback in this league like that. And then the other thing I noticed too, Miami, and now I know this, they were not confident at all. I mean, they knew what was on the line and they were enthusiastic at all, but it was almost like, and I'm sure a lot of people, if you're watching or listening and you saw this episode would agree, they, they weren't confident. It was almost like they had a mindset that Buffalo's coming. You know, Buffalo's going to, this is going to happen again. The Bills own us. I mean, they've said it on the show and stuff like that. But watching that episode, you just got a sense that Miami kind of felt like Buffalo is the better
1: team. And, and ultimately they were. You know they were in a different position last week right i mean when you're when you're the leader it's uh that's different right when you're the hunted versus Definitely. being the hunter and like last year even like through the season even in the playoffs, it's just like hey the the plucky dolphins with their new head coach and he's kind of quirky and a little bit different from the norm and having success with it like you know it was a it was a good story and it's still a good story but it, how teams play when all of a sudden like you're in that position um you saw that maybe the the bills have had more experience in those type of situations than the dolphins have and you know not just even you know comparing the the leadership from one quarterback to to another or the head coach to another right you've got some stark differences between between both but it's like being in those type of situations how teams respond from it how they learn I'll be really curious to see how the Dolphins do this weekend against the Chiefs. I mean, for obvious reasons, but I mean, coming back from the stretch that they have had with these last couple of games against the Ravens and then the Bills, and now you go to Arrowhead and it's going to be like five degrees below zero. Like this is this is one that is going to test them. I think we're going to learn a lot about the Dolphins. Like what kind of fortitude do they do they have right now? And I'm I'm really interested to to see what they look like.
2: Wow. Well, we'll Talk a little bit chiefs Miami later on, but I'll give you a spoiler alert right now. They're done. It's over. They're done. That that Baltimore game ruined them. Getting smacked the way they did in Baltimore. I think that ruined them. It ruined their confidence. I think you saw it on HBO this week. And then the bills beat them. And now they're going to Kansas city where it's going to be like minus five degrees with all those injuries. I think that's a wrap for the Miami dolphins. Uh, I know, again, you know, I like to be bold and maybe maybe say some outlandish shit that can make me look dumb, you know, down the road. But conversely, Anthony, when we preview games and I'm predicting that Dawson Knox is scoring touchdowns ahead of time and Deontay Hardy, I didn't say he was going to score a touchdown, but I said he was going to bust one and I called him out specifically. And that comes true. I'm going to take a little bit of a victory lap. I've been waiting all week, by the way. To do this show with you because it was us last week who did the preview show where I got to to predict that Dawson Knox was going to score a touchdown and then I doubled down with uh, Matt Perino at Live and Imperial the the next day as well so didn't, don't think I wasn't going to let you uh, you know remind you
1: about that no it was weeks. you know what I mean when you think about it and the fact that you went two for two. And like it was a it was a good 2 for 2, right? Yeah. Like I mean, listen, the uh, you know, the Hardy pick, I mean, that's a uh, you know, bases loaded walk-off grand slam type of <laughs> type of hit. You know, the the Dawson knocked one, it was like a solid double. Yeah. Right? For for yeah. like for what it for what it was and for him to, you know, make a great effort to get into the end zone in a in a big spot uh was was definitely needed. But I was I was smiling <laughs> When I think about that stuff, because it just was, uh, you know, we do enough of these shows, you talk about these things, but those, were, those weren't those were two predictions that would just make sense. For you to, to go with those two guys and for them to both hit, that's all right, man. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, let's be fair, man. When you throw enough darts against
2: the wall, especially when you're bold about it, like I am, sooner or later you're going to hit on a on a couple of them, as long as you let the fans know when you hit and you try to make them forget about it, you know, when you miss, you say you were just joking, all that Listen, stuff. Then, then it's okay.
1: Pat, you're you're a big music guy, right? I, I know we don't I talk am. music a ton with this, but like we will during the off season. But go you ahead. know, but when when those albums drop, like they play the hits for a reason, right? There's other sure. tracks that can be <laughs> forgotten, and that's okay. That's like you know, just keep playing the hits, man. It's okay. <laughs> uh that game
2: itself, uh, the the. Three, a couple takeaways. We talked about Sean McDermott. I I do think this defense in tight or in big situations is is definitely different now. There's no more of that prevent shit playing 15 yards off the line. I really like that. Uh, We both agree that Sean McDermott shows a lot of credit for turning this season around. I think he has a lot to do with it. Little things, too. Going for it multiple times on fourth and short, especially twice on the last drive as well. I feel like the old Sean McDermott would have punted and just relied on the defense. He went for the knockout there, and I really, I respected that about him. I thought Sean McDermott was great. And then the other thing that you realize from time to time, and I think Sunday was, man, did it ever encapsulate Josh Allen. He plays terrible at times. He makes just mistakes that just make you want to pull your hair right out of your head. You're screaming at the TV. You're angry. You're mad. How could you do this? How could you be so dumb at times, right? But he's one of the few quarterbacks in the league now or anytime recently that is just good enough. He's talented enough to overcome the mistakes he makes because, man, oh, man, some of the, the plays he made, especially with his legs on Sunday, were just incredible. That throw fade away to Stefan Diggs, where Stefan made a great catch, too, for 30 something yards. Uh, just in a couple of those runs, that third and 13 run on that final drive where it looked like three guys had him and he's still plowed ahead of him and got the first out. He's just, he's a remarkable player, a remarkable talent. And he's again, one of the very few that are just good enough to overcome mistakes. If two plays like that in the first half, Miami loses by four scores, seriously, but Josh is just different.
1: Yeah, he's, he is different and it is, you know, the interesting thing is, too, when you take a look back at it, and I get it, they won the game. You'd say they only scored 21 points. Josh Allen pr- played a great game on Sunday. Now, there's three plays you want to take back, right? Yeah. I mean, basically 30 seconds of football that you look to to erase, And it, it's not that you just forget about those pieces. But this wasn't one of those where it's just like, yeah, they scored 21 points. Josh was great. He made all these big runs. He converted the fourth and ones. Like, you know, he's completing like over 75% of his passes. You see a really good game from Stefan Diggs coming back. Nice game from Dalton Kincaid. Great game from Khalil Shakir, right? Spreading the ball around. High percentage of completions. Yeah, a couple of mistakes. I mean, even that second interception, it's like, okay, it's fourth down. Credit the Dolphins' defense. Gabe Davis trips up in the end zone. Honestly, that interception worked out okay for the Bills, like, what were you kicking a 50 some yard field goal? Like maybe you make that. If you don't, you put them in great position. If you don't convert the fourth down, they're getting the ball at the 36 yard line. You know, here in essence, it's a punt into the end zone. Not as big of a deal, right? The, the, the fumble, like, yeah, do you want to see him secure the ball and that not to happen again? Credit to the guys on the dolphins. They, they made a play like Christian Wilkins blew it up. Like, all right, it happens in the first one. You know, it's kind of maddening, too, because you're just like, gosh, that should have been a pass interference call on Dawson Knox. How was it not? I mean, and that's not just one of these of like, oh, Anthony, you're a homer or this and that. Like, like that was as blatant as it comes. And then the next play, like it is what it is. But I mean, 97 percent of what he did on the field the other day was great. And it's like considering how things have been going, where it's like gosh these these really slow starts, where the offense isn't clicking, and I get it. if it doesn't result in points, what does it mean? But to be marching down the field early, getting guys involved, making these completions again, just the the timing with digs on some of those bombs, like can we can we get to that that point? But it's just yeah. like yeah. Josh was great on on Sunday, and that's like that's a step in the right direction. At the right time heading into the playoffs. If Josh connects with Stefan on dude,
2: Stefan cooked Jalen Ramsey. He had him cooked. Yeah. And Josh just overshot it. Could, Diggs digs could have had 150 yards in the first half if he hits on uh if he hits on that play. Look, we got the full entire Josh Allen experience Ooh. on Sunday. Love it, hate it, stress, it's fun. It's fun. Maybe not so much fun if you're a Bills fan at times, anyway. And to your point, too, with a couple bad breaks, should have never thrown it short of the end zone to Ty Johnson. But in fairness, that play still should have resulted in points because Ty Johnson took a blow to the head as a concussion. As things stand right now, we don't know what his status is going to be for the week as we record this. But that should have been a penalty, too, on Miami. And uh, Baker got away with one there, Jerome Baker, uh, the the Miami linebacker. But, yeah, man, Josh Allen, he's just – if you put him on Miami, Miami wins that game. That's basically what I'm telling you. He's just right. he's just a different animal, and he's just so much better than two. And he's pretty much so much better than almost anyone else. Also, want to credit Brandon Bean. This felt to me like kind of a Brandon Bean game. And I say that because these unheralded... Well, I don't want to say unheralded free agents because they were signed with the intention of having a pretty big role. But guys like Trent Shurfield and Deontay Hardy and Taylor Rapp, guys who... We're expected to have a pretty significant role this season. Really haven't. They've been mostly, you know, uneventful seasons for all of them. But they all stepped up in this game and had very, very big moments. You know, Hardy's punt return, of course. Shurfield with a great catch for a touchdown. Having the knowledge, to know, where his feet were and still come down with the ball. And then Taylor Rapp, back-to-back plays at the end of the game. Not just the interception to seal it, but the play before that where he knocks down the ball that Tyreek Hill otherwise catches inside the 20-yard line if Rap doesn't make that play. Those are Brandon Bean guys. So I want to make sure I give Brandon Bean some credit here because those guys had significant impact in this game.
1: Now, significant impact, and I mean, at least two of them on bargain contracts, right? When you talk about Taylor Rapp and Trent Shurfield, I mean, both mm-hmm. one-year deals, like something around $1.5 million type of type of piece. I mean, it's it's what you need to see. And that's when you talk about like the team feeling different, the ability for guys to step up and make plays that, uh, that eases the burden on some of the guys. Like when you talk about Stefan Diggs, who, who again, I thought was great on Sunday, seven of eight uh, targets, you know, going for receptions, 80 some yards. Like that's what you need. Sure. You want to see the the bomb hit, but like, then when you see Sheff- uh, Sheffield making plays, you got Kincaid making plays, Khalil Shakir, that frees up things for for him. It relieves that burden of just like, well, let's force it to digs because nothing else is working. That's how you want to see the offense kind of contribute each and every week. But yeah, a bit of a victory lap for for Brandon Bean to to say the least. Um, I'll throw Balen Specter into that mix too, right? Sure. Or just You know, late round draft pick, and here's a guy that comes in, his numbers called, and making plays. Pretty you
2: re- you really had to appreciate the the depth. That the Buffalo Bills have. With Dodson to get hurt. Rasul Douglas to get hurt during this game. And Baylor Spector steps in. And I thought he played great. Um, yeah. Pretty interesting too. That Sean McDermott went with Baylor Specter Over Dorian Williams. In that situation as well. And I think you mentioned Dane Jackson earlier too. I mean. He had a couple big plays. He had a huge third down tackle. Uh, Braxton Burials, short of the fourth down marker. Which forced a punt. And he had a big third down uh, pass breakup too. So yeah, really big performances from guys that you wouldn't have expected, which is funny. You know, jokes aside, I said, I'm taking my victory lap, you know, with Dawson Knox. And because I, I don't want to say I hit on Hardy because I didn't call a touchdown. I said he was going to bust one. But if I told you before this game, hey, Anthony, because we did do a show last week, like we do most of these and we pretty make our predictions and keys to victory. If I would have said, hey, Anthony, I think a big, Key to uh, the Bills' victory this Sunday is going to be Taylor Rapp, Dane Jackson, Deontay Hardy, Trent Sherfield, and Balen Spector. You're like, huh? <laughs> you know what I'm oh. saying? But they did, they did, they did. So anyway, let's take a uh, take a real quick break. Come back on the other side, and we'll talk about Pittsburgh a little bit, and then kind of get into some keys to this game, and of course, predictions as well. Be right back. <music>
0: For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
2: All right, I am back here with Anthony Marino from Buffalo Rumlings. By the way, if you're watching this uh, on the video side, the uh, the beard growth from losing my bet to my son is not doing so great, man. I, you know, have you ever grown a beard? Have you ever tried yeah. to
1: grow a beard? Yeah, I did. Uh, I did no shave November once. once. And you know what? Like when you do it, it's, and I remember the phase that you're in right now of just like, my gosh, I am not, I'm not built for this genetically and what takes place. And then once you get through like that awkward, whatever, first 10 days and it starts to fill in, I think you might be surprised. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. looking I'm looking forward to this, man. I really am. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not, man. So there's areas,
2: patchy areas where I know they're just not going to fill in. And by the way, by the time they might, I'm probably going to, the bet will be over and I'll have the option to shave and I probably will. I'm not meant to have facial hair. Just some people... Rock a beard, some people get rock a mustache and they look great. Like, can you imagine sale Capaccio without a mustache? You know, what I mean, It'd just be weird. Um, that's how I feel. Like, it's been my routine my whole life. I get up, I brush my teeth, and I shave every day. That's like been my whole life. One time when we lived in Florida, I, I did attempt for probably a good two months to, to grow a bear. That's how I'm confident that I know it's not going to work out. Cause it's just, it, it got too patchy. We'll see. But anyway, it it is what it is. I just, I'm, I'm starting to feel a little more ridiculous. You know, how it is. You feel like people are looking at you, but even if they're not, you just have that inner sense. That's kind of uh, a, <laughs> how I feel anyway. All right. Pittsburgh Steelers coming to town this Sunday without TJ Watt, uh, that we got to start there. I mean, this is a football team. They're 10 and seven. I get it. They earned a playoff spot. Sort of. I mean, um, they beat a bunch of Baltimore backups. They did beat Seattle on the road, though, the week before. That was an impressive game. They had to have that. Uh, They beat Cincinnati at home the week before. So they've won three in a row now. They've also lost at home back-to-back before that to Arizona and the Patriots. I'm going to throw that out there as well. But to me, the big story of this game is T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt is not just maybe the best defensive player in the NFL, and he will win NFL uh, Defensive Player of the Year. he had 19 sacks this year. He's going to win that. Um, he might be one of the top five to six players in the NFL. Like he'll finish top 10, I think, at MVP voting this year. Anyway, he ain't playing. He hurt his knee in the Baltimore game and he's out. Um, To me, that would be the equivalent of the Bills having to play a team without Stephon Diggs or without having to play with like Ed Oliver and Leonard Floyd on the defensive line. That's how important I think T.J. Watt is uh, to the Steelers. So let's start there at him not playing.
1: Yeah, it's a huge blow for the Steelers. And I would even argue that, you know, here's a guy, and that's no disrespect to Leonard Floyd or Ed Oliver or even Stefan Diggs. Like, for them, that is probably even a bigger loss, right? Because that is just a guy that makes everything work and tick for their defense. When he is on the field, that is priority one of just, like, where is he and how do you contain him in any way, shape, or form? So as I look at that, I you know, he's a bit of a unicorn, and I don't use that term lightly so him being out that is that is huge for them I mean they still have a talented defense and other players that are there but I'm I'm not going to just kind of aweshucks shucks this one away like yeah that is that is a huge loss for them not just with his play kind of the emotion that he brings I mean good gosh they were su- showing some clip everybody circled around him pre-game against the the Ravens on Saturday and it's just like man I wish there was a microphone on him because he was like going in circles with these guys and they were bought in. And it was just like, I just want to know what he's saying right now to, to all of them. So he is one of the top 10 players in the NFL. I think that is, that is easy to say. And a, uh, a tough loss for the Steelers coming out of Saturday's game. The,
2: there's a handful of guys who could really change a game on the defensive line. He's certainly one of them. A couple sacks, a, a forced fumble, a, an interception. He could just do so many things. Yeah. That's such a, such a big loss for them. I kind of get the sense. If I was a Steelers fan, they're seven and seven. I don't think they're that good. I think their quarterback sucks. And like, I I get a sense that to some extent, they're going to just be happy to make the playoffs. I, I feel like if you're a Steelers fan, to some extent, you're probably feeling that way. Now what I will give them credit for is Mike Tomlin. He is a good coach. 17 years and they've never had a losing record. That is incredible. That's hard to do over the course of 17 years. I just, I, I get that kind of sense with the Steelers and they do have weapons. I mean, they got two good running backs. Najee Harris and Jalen Warner, two very good running backs. They got two good receivers, George Pickens and, and Deontay Johnson. They got a decent tight end, Pratt a couple guys on defense. I don't think their defense is that good, especially without TJ Watt. Um, but they still got a couple guys on defense. Dude, you got Mason Rudolph, man. That's your quarterback. Come on, Anthony.
1: I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna talk you into a blowout. No, you're not. I mean, <laughs> and listen. It's just like look at look at how much better their offense has been with him with him playing. And I kind of throw the game against Baltimore out the window. I, I mean, honestly, As I don't, you don't even rem- remember some of those statistics. I mean, you were watching that broadcast. I mean, it was torrential downpours, horrible. The entire mm-hmm. game. Now, we might have a weather game on Sunday, too. So that part that part plays in. But, you know, when you have a team that has weapons that has kind of like a two headed monster at running back for what they can do, you know, you, you talk about these guys, it's just like. Yeah, you're, you're not going to talk me into a blowout. Like I have, and I I say this, like whatever (laughs) my, my level of respect for Mike Tomlin should have like zero impact on anything. But like, as a coach, you talk about this never a losing season in 17 years. Like that doesn't happen by mistake in this day and age of the NFL where you see, well, it's like, you know, coaches, it becomes a bit of a revolving door. I mean, heck, you know, we talked about Sean McDermott earlier, like, Hey, maybe it's time for a change. Like, you know, time for a change. Like the team had made the playoffs the last four years. Like you, there's a level of impatience that comes with this. So for what he does for this team to be able to win 10 games this year. And again, Hey, I get it. Like they lost to the Cardinals. They lost to the Patriots. Like, you know, those things, those things happen. Like it does, but I'm not going to look beyond them because it's just, he's one of the best coach. I mean, he's a future hall of famer. Like I'm, I'm confident in in insane that he gets more out of a team than he should. So they're going to be a little bit plucky on, on Sunday. Nothing to lose. Yeah. Nothing to lose at all. And to that point, like you say, like, yeah, maybe their fans are just happy to be there. It's like, yeah, the season was a success. We made the playoffs. You know, that's not coming from Tomlin and his team. So, so, you know, they're going to be a little pesky. They're probably going to stick around a bit longer than you want them to. And, just kind of be that annoying, like in a way, like, all right, let's just get this win. But you're probably not going to come away from it feeling feeling great at the end. Like, oh, that was just a walk in the park. Like it's the playoffs. It's not supposed to be.
2: You know, of all the things you, you mentioned, there's one thing that does concern me, one thing only, and that is the weather. Weather, this could be a weather game. There could be. Potential, I was just looking at weather reports uh, not long before we started taping this here on, on a Wednesday morning. Um, the weather could be bad. It could be really shitty. It could be a lot of snow, and that could slow down. You know, people, I know this is Orchard Park, and it's the fans that make, give the Bills a huge home field advantage. But I want, ideally for the Buffalo Bills and the way this offense is, I want a dry field. You know, I don't need 30-mile-an-hour winds, even though Josh could rip the ball and anything. I don't need snow. I don't need heavy winds uh, when the Bills are playing. Look, and, and we'll get to uh, the three keys here, and I, I got to start with the most obvious one, and, and that is just make Mason Rudolph beat you, all right? Stop the run, because if Pittsburgh will do one thing effectively that could scare me if the Bills don't tackle well or if they're not, you know, if, if the defense is again off blocks, is running the football. You know, I, I think you're going to see a lot of, Tyrell Dotson, if he could play, I don't know. We don't know what his shoulder stat is. If not, Baylor Inspector, um, I think especially on the early downs, Pittsburgh's going to try to shorten this game, keep Josh Allen off the field. They are going to do their damnness to to run the football. So a key for me for the Bills, stacking at your guy in the box and, and make them throw the football and beaches. Stop the run. That's the, the biggest thing for me with the Bills.
1: No, I, I completely agree, right? So the weather plays into it that is a part even if it was a crystal clear day you can look at those things and say like that is probably probably a priority you know we've seen linval joseph be inactive the last couple of games do we see him back in this matchup to you know again have that additional run stuffer um, puna ford's done some nice things the last couple of weeks but you know what does that look like with the with the rotation i'll be i'll be curious to to see what takes place there and from a linebacker standpoint, like, yeah, that'll be critical. We've seen, you know, Jordan Poyer playing closer to the box in different situations with, you know, him and Micah Hyde and Taylor Rapp on the field at the same time. Uh, you know, Taron Johnson, albeit undersized, you know, brings a bit of a linebacker mentality to the the play and what he does. And I do hope that Tyrell Dotson will be, will be healthy because no disrespect to Bale Specter and what he was able to do last week. Um, Tyler Dotson, Tyrell Dotson has been playing some, he has some some nice football. And I think that kind of physical downhill presence that, that he brings, like the bills are going to need more of that on, uh, on Sunday. And I, I hope that he's going to be okay.
2: There's certain teams where I think Tyrell Dotson is a better matchup for and I think Pittsburgh is one of those football teams. He has played pretty well too. You know, I was really dismissive, dismissive of him throughout a lot of this season, but he's played well. I do have more confidence now in Bale Inspector after watching him play in Miami, though. And you never want to see an injury, but the fact that Bale Inspector, if Dotson can't go this week, and we'll learn more over the next couple of days, of course, but the fact that he's gonna get a week of reps as a starter, I, I think is important uh, as well. You know, so I mentioned the weather is a potential equalizer in any, not just Buffalo, but in any game situation. The, 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 all the big equalizer is always going to be turnovers. That's always the great equalizer. So that's my second key. You know, like you can't have a game, like same on the Miami game last week. You know, you want to keep a team that you're, that's inferior to you, at least on paper in a game. Well, the best way to do that is to throw two interceptions in the end zone and have a strip sack bumble when you get sacked and, you know, other things like that. So you just, it goes without saying and it's simple and elementary, but don't turn the ball over. You know, maybe two turnovers max is for the Bills, is what I think they can afford and still be fine. If you get past one to two turnovers, you're you're looking for a lot of trouble at that point.
1: Well, you're looking for a lot of trouble. And I think, right, what was it? The season, the home opener in 2021. Bills are coming off an appearance in the AFC championship game. You open the season against the Steelers, and it's a blocked punt that goes back for a touchdown that really ends up being the difference in that in that game. And I think it's those types of things, too, that you keep in mind, not just the turnovers, but when you think of that special teams aspect to it. Um, the Steelers have someone on their team. I'm drawing a, a blank. I think it was – I can't remember. Maybe it was uh, Matt Perino had a recent guest on, and he was on the Shout podcast talking about it. Um, you know, they've got one guy on their team that's blocked three punts. So far mm-hmm. this season, like, yeah, make sure the punt protection is in place because that is something that can be critical. And we've seen it in the past. So, yeah, I mean, of course, I mean, limiting the turnovers goes without saying, but, you know, some of those turnovers are more critical than others. Again, the Josh Allen interception, fourth and two, kind of arm punt to the end zone and, you know, actually works out okay for you. That's fine. You know, block punts when you're kicking out of your own end zone that's a little different story. So, uh yeah, I'm I'm totally with you there. And the last thing, don't play down the competition. I'm I'm sorry.
2: I just the Steelers are not on the same level as the Buffalo Bills. I know, especially you respect this organization. We both respect Mike Tomlin. There are a couple weapons worth mentioning that could hurt you if you're not careful, but the Bills are without question the better football team. Don't play down on like you did Denver or uh or the Giants or Tampa, you're the better football team. You know, they've played better at home recently. They smacked Dallas, they smacked the Jets, and then they did not play so well against the Patriots. That game was closer than it needed to be. Again, I know that you have more respect, as you should. You know, I'm wrong. I should have more respect for the the opponent than I do. And I'm going to admit that openly. I just, I don't. And if I said I did, I'd be lying because I just don't think Short of the Bills killing themselves, I just don't see a way they lose this football game. So I guess I'm just saying, play crisp, sound football, and just don't play down to the competition because that is
1: something that the Bills have been guilty of a lot this season. They've been playing down to the competition since week four. Yeah, huh? every, every game where you can look at and say, ah, oh, you should put away the Broncos, did not. The Giants, the Patriots in both games, uh, Tampa Bay, you can look at, you know, they have just not, put it away in the way that they should against, you know, the chargers, right. You can talk about all of these, these games. So that's the piece where uh, you, you look at it. It's just, it's the NFL. It's going to be competitive. You see it each and every week. Right. So just, I'm, I'm with you and I hear what you're, what you're saying. You know, this is kind of part of my defense mechanism too. So it is, I get it. You put that shield up and then, uh, you know, once the clock hits zero on, on Sunday, if there's a reason to celebrate. I'll celebrate. <laughs> I, I, I laugh because I, I think uh, I think if I ever had you and Tone
2: Pucks on the show at the same time, like if we did a, a three-person show, I think you would be cringe. Because I don't know if he watched the show a couple of days ago, and I it was unprovoked. I didn't know he was doing it. But uh, so Tone Pucks comes in studio with me, usually on Monday nights. And we just kind of put a rap on the game before. We shoot the shit, talk all kinds of stuff. Anyway, he came onto the set here in in my home studio with a white t-shirt saying, feed me, KC," He refused to even discuss the Pittsburgh Steelers. And all he kept talking about the whole episode was wanting the Kansas city Chiefs. So I'm thinking about that and him just not even, you know, acknowledging the Steelers, whereas you are being much more again, centered here and respecting the opponent. I, I, to be fair to you, you're absolutely more right. I mean, you, you can't, Completely look past any team. I don't care if they're playing the Arizona Cardinals. You just, you can't utterly look past the team, which he did. But I also thought it was kind of funny that he had a feed me Casey shirt on before they even play the Steelers or before the Chiefs even play Miami. Uh, anyway. All right. What well, was prediction time? We do this every week now. Let's start with game predictions. And then I want to go after, and maybe we'll come up with a a couple standout players or something like that. But let's start with the game. Give me, give me your game prediction.
1: Yeah, I'll go twenty-one thirteen, Buffalo. Like I said, a little closer than it needs to be. Maybe one of those scenarios where it's like, yeah, you're you know you're kind of in control of this game, but never where you build it enough to the point where you can just feel comfortable, uh, you know, at the end. So right, I mean, still a one-score game when you look at it from that standpoint. And I think you know a lot of times we talk about these scores, we're, we're projecting a lot of points. The Bills haven't been putting up those like huge offensive explosion type of games, certainly with a, a team like Pittsburgh and their scheme, what the weather is going to be on Sunday. A uh, little bit more conservative with the prediction. So, again, that's, that's what I'm looking at.
2: Okay. I'm going to go 30-12, Buffalo. Um, I think Pittsburgh might have a drive early in the game where they have some success and it look good, but and then I think Sean will make some adjustments. And it'll shut it down. The offense might take a little bit to get rolling, but I think eventually they will. Um, I just don't think without TJ Watt, especially on defense, I just don't think Pittsburgh has the manpower to uh, to stop the Bills offense. Which by the way, again, I this is the one thing I hate about taping, especially early on a Wednesday. Micah Fitzpatrick, a very good safety, hasn't been playing. Uh, I think Mike Tomlin said he he was limited at practice and that he's hopeful or optimistic about his chances of playing. But regardless, I just think the Bills just have too much talent, and as the game wears on, I, I think they'll they'll pull away thirty to twelve. Give me, and we did this last week too. Maybe one or two standout players, like not counting Josh Allen. Good, that's just again that's low hanging fruit. But give me a player or two that you could just you envision in your mind having a, a pretty significant impact on the game.
1: Yeah. So if we're talking on offense and it's boring because I'm going with the same pick as last week, but th- this should be a game where Dalton Kincaid gets like a dozen targets. Mm-hmm. Like from a linebacker standpoint and for what the Steelers do, there is no way that they should be able to guard him over the middle of the field. And it should end up being something like 10 catches for 90 some yards, right? Not, you know, nothing crazy, nothing huge along these lines. But when you talk about just kind of like some, and I know this doesn't, isn't the definition of chunk plays, but like, you know, nine, 10 yards here and there, just kind of keep moving down the field for what the weather is going to be. Dalton Kincaid, I think he's going to be that guy. And on the defensive side, um, we talked about him before, but Taryn Johnson, right? I mean, that is going to be He's so good. He is he is so good. and I just see this being one of those games where he can make one of those game changing type of plays, right? Kind of just being active in that area, whether it's like punching the ball out from from one of their running backs, whether it's kind of a you know corralling in a tip pass, whatever it is. like here's a guy in these types of games. That he makes plays, so Teron Johnson. That's that's going to be my my second pick.
2: Yeah, I'm not going to go with Teron Johnson, but I will tell you, watch the all 22 film. And God, he is so good. He is just around the football. He's such a good tackler. He's such an aggressive tackler. Yeah. He's so good in coverage. Even if he gives up a catch, but he doesn't give up any yards after the catch. He's just such a great player. It's so easy to take it for granted. I don't study 31 other teams, or I'm not familiar with secondaries for 31 other teams. I just find it impossible to lead that there's more than maybe one or two better slot corners in the NFL than that guy. He's awesome. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to go bold this time, but offensively, I think James, you said him last week. I'm going to say him this week. I I don't know. I actually didn't say him last week, but James cook, I I think this is going to be a good game for James cook. I think Pittsburgh is going to be horrified of Josh Allen running the ball and throwing the football. I, th- I just feel like the creases are going to be there. The Bills did not run the football very well against Miami outside of Josh Allen. The offensive line struggled and run blocking. I think they're going to run the football pretty, especially if the weather's shittier. I think they're going to run the football pretty effectively. And I think James Cook is in line for a big game. He, he's gonna, He's going to get in the end zone too, which I know like, Normally, would be like, oh, running back scored a touchdown. What a bold prediction. James Cook don't be scoring touchdowns rushing the ball because Josh Allen takes them all. But James Cook's going to find the end zone on Sunday. And then defensively, maybe not a big game statistically, but I love Daquan Jones in this game. I think Pittsburgh is going to try really hard to run the ball, sustain drives between the tackles. And I think Daquan Jones is going to have a lot to say about that. he will help shut down that run, take up blockers, enforce mason rudolph to be a thrower and in that case the way sean mcdermott's been scheming this year i think it's going to be an ugly day for the steelers you know i just talked myself into it forget 30 to 12 it's going to be 37 to 12 i just gave the bills i just gave the bills another touchdown
1: <laughs> <laughs> LeVar, you're like i gotta respect the, the steelers more and then you're just like yeah and, well. no,
2: it's gonna be 37 to 12 and
1: yeah. devon is gonna have a good game
2: anyway i want well, to let you go assume All right, let's allow, I'm going to allow you, I'm going to force you to assume that the Bills get past this game, okay? Let's say the Bills, or I'll even make it easy for you. For the sake of discussion, the Bills beat the Steelers, okay? I want you to power rank the potential three opponents for the divisional round, because you got Kansas City, you got Cleveland, and you got Houston. Kansas City plays Miami for everybody out there who doesn't know on Saturday night. If Kansas City wins and the Bills win, of course, we're assuming the Bills win, But if Kansas City beats Miami, the Bills are playing Kansas City. If Kansas City loses and Miami wins, the Bills are playing the winner of Cleveland at Houston. As things stand right now, and no matter who the Bills play, I know you're going to have a ton of respect for them. And so will I, because these are three good football teams, by the way. But I want you to try on the flyer. And I didn't tell you I was going to do this at a time, because I just didn't want to. But Cleveland, Houston, Kansas City, I want you to power rank in order of preference who you would like to play in the next round, potentially.
1: I don't want to play Cleveland. Thank you. Okay. And I don't know. I mean, good gosh. I mean, you're, you know, again, if you said however many months ago, like Joe Flacco playing quarterback and whatever, but that is a defense that you just look at and you're just kind of like, I don't know, man, there's something about that team that is working, and it shouldn't be working, right? I mean, they even should have lost to the the Bears a couple of weeks ago. They kind of mm-hmm. like pitters sure. that one away type of thing. Like, but there's just something about Cleveland that you look at, and you're just like, yeah, that's probably the one I don't want to play. Agreed. I'm with and, you. and I don't know what it is with that, right? Maybe it's just a little bit of the unknown. I mean, you know, Kansas City would be an easy choice, but I think when you look at KC, it's like, okay. You've played them enough. You know them enough from a prepara- preparation standpoint, like, again, and, and I mean, well, I, said then, same before, I said this to you before. I can look at every one of these teams and say why I don't want to play them. Sure. But from that standpoint, and it's, you know, and I guess if I'm going to say with the Texans, it would just be a little bit different based on the inexperience. Sure. So maybe maybe with them, it's just, uh, again, C.J. Stroud doing great stuff. You could see a Devin Singletary, Jerry Hughes revenge type of game scenario playing out. Um, you know, there's so many things that the Texans are doing well. The new rookie head coach, uh, D'Amico Ryan's doing a great job. Like, so all of this, it's like you get to this point where you don't want to play anyone, but – yeah, there's just something weird about that Browns matchup and Miles Garrett and the way their defense is playing that you're just kind of like, Yeah, yeah, if we don't have to play them, I'll be okay. It's
2: funny because when I had Tone Pucks on the other day and he was just talking about Kansas City, and what Kansas City, Kansas City, Kansas City I said, Look, they are still a Super Bowl defending champions. They still have Pat Mahomes, still have Travis Kelsey, they still have Chris Jones. They can figure it out. They have Andy Reid, they have a championship pedigree, and that matters. So I was like, you're crazy. But after we were done and we're sitting there in, in, in my living room and we're talking after her, I was like, you know what? I think I'd rather play them than Cleveland. Because I started thinking about Cleveland. And Cleveland's defense is really, really good. And they got Amari Cooper and they got a great tight end and they can run the football a little bit. And they got Elijah Morrison oh, and yeah. a rejuvenation. Like, So if I had to go in order of preference, I think I'd want to play Cleveland the least of the three. Plus, the Bills just know Kansas City a lot better. Now, vice versa as well. They can prepare for us a lot easier, too, because they know the Bills. But I'm like, yeah, I think I'd rather play Cleveland the least than Kansas City. And with respect to Houston, they are good. CJ Stroud's good, but I'd always rather, especially, you know, because CJ Stroud's going to be at home this week. Now, they say he never played a playoff game. Last week was a playoff game for Houston, essentially. They went to Indy. They won on the road. So, yeah. you know, see, and he's a good quarterback and they got a lot of good players, too. But in that situation, I, I definitely would prefer to play uh, Houston if things work out. It's an irrelevant
1: point, though, Anthony, because I told you at the beginning of this show. Miami's done. So the Bills are – Yeah, I'm with- going to disagree with you there. Yep. And I, I'm not going out and making a you know making a pick with it or anything along those lines. But, you know, for the Dolphins, if they get back a Jalen Waddell, if they get back Raheem Mostert, like, those are two guys that, that make a difference for what their offense can be. And I'm just not going to say that they're done. Right. I, I think it's going to be a good game on Saturday night. Uh, I think it's going to be relatively close. Might be a little bit ugly. Again, we talk about the weather and what that can mean. Like that part is not lost on me, but I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not closing the door on the dolphins just yet. I just don't think they have
2: the grind. I don't think they have that, that dog in them to to go into Kansas city in minus five degree potential weather, especially as decimated as they are on defense. And and be able to beat the Chiefs. And it it's not a given that Waddle or Moser are going to play. Plus, Tyreek Hill's got a, an ankle and a quad. I expect he'll play, but not 100%. But anyway, I am, f- let's just put it this way I'm fully anticipating next week when we get together, you and I are going to be talking about a Bills Chiefs playoff game. Pam Mahomes playing on the road in the playoffs for the first time in his entire career. That's going to be uh, potentially, I'll say potentially to make you happy. It's potentially going to be a pretty wild uh, week next week and uh in a preview show NFC we I mean, there's no a need to really talk about the NFC but just out of curiosity Dallas Green Bay uh, Detroit the Rams and, and then Philly and Tampa you like any underdogs in that game or in of those games
1: I should say you know I I wouldn't I wouldn't really consider the Rams so much an underdog right just as you look at things and I'm not even quite sure what the the spread is is only you three you know so I think that is one of those games that. Uh, plenty of storylines, right? When you think about just uh, Matthew Stafford coming back to Detroit, um, you know, even for the years of success he had with the Lions, he never played a a home playoff game. Uh, so this right. will be his his first time playing a playoff game in the Superdome. So I just think that one's going to be really, that's going to be the most interesting of the three games. I mean, yeah, what might happen with the Bucs and the Eagles? I mean, the Eagles are in a really weird, rough stretch right right now and totally not looking like themselves but it is that game the rams and the lions that that one i think can be can be kind of fun maybe you'll see some fireworks there maybe get that shootout type of high scoring game that you know that can really entertain you a bit on sunday night
2: i am rooting uh, the only team in the nfc that i think i'm openly going to be rooting for are the detroit lions shout out my man joe yearning by the way big long time uh detroit lions fan but that is also the game. I agree with you. Where I could see the the road team going in and winning. I could definitely see the Rams uh, winning. All right, so we're gonna get out of here. By the way, twenty five years ago today, as we take this, the greatest TV series of all time premiered,
1: The Sopranos. A little fun fact for you: Were you a Sopranos guy? Did you watch it? You like it? Uh, I liked it. I wasn't that like religious Sopranos watcher. I think I probably yeah. like. I think I started maybe in like season two or season three, right? Like this was before streaming or anything. So you, I was a little bit late to the game, but uh, you know, it was one of those things Sunday nights lived with, you know, an apartment sure. with a bunch of other guys, like watch the Sopranos and we'd watch entourage or arliss yeah. or whatever it was that would come up after it. Like that just kind of became the, the routine. So, you know, unlike many, I don't go back and watch episodes. It doesn't hold this like, you know, place in my heart. Like, you know, for others that it does is the, the greatest TV show of all time, but certainly enjoyed it back in the day. My son, 21 years old, he hasn't
2: watched it yet. And I'm kind of pushing him and his, him and his girlfriend, keep like picking series and, and binging them. And I'm kind of like kind of nudging him. I said, you got to at least watch this series. You know, maybe he doesn't love it the way I did, but it's it's something that you at least have to watch. But uh, anyway, all right. Make sure you follow Anthony on Twitter at anthmarino. And be sure, not just to check out this podcast daily, but make sure you come back next Thursday for Anthony and I's Bills, Kansas City Chiefs, Divisional Round Preview, because that's what it's going to be. Dude. You're <laughs> killing me, man. You're killing me. All right, guys. i will be back with a brand new episode tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in.